It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Aha, ha, ha, ha. Yeah! What it do, baby? Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 763 of Lockdown Raptors. I'm your host, Vivek Jacob. I'm joined by Katie Heindel, and we are going to recap the Raptors ludicrous, insane 125-121 victory over the Philadelphia 76ers. Remember, you can follow uh, the Lockdown Raptors show on Twitter, at Lockdown Raptors, where you can find every single episode. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review if you're interested. Uh, In the other 29 teams, you can subscribe to them as well. There's the other major league sports in North America, You've got all the teams covered there, so you can find all the content you're looking for. For now, it's Katie and myself. Katie's at whatevs, at W-T-E-V-S on Twitter, and I'm at Vivek M. Jacob. And let's get right into it. Katie, Sean usually asks me (laughs) what was my biggest takeaway from the game. So, what was your biggest takeaway from this game? I mean... Stanley Johnson. But then aside from that, like what a good feeling for a game that wasn't supposed to mean anything. That mm-hmm. felt pretty, pretty, pretty good. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. I mean, we'll we'll get into the fourth quarter in a second, but the way the game started out, it looked like the Raptors were struggling to find a flow. Um, Philly came out. Really strong, got off to a hot start. Uh, we're shooting the ball really well. We're up 32-25 after the first quarter. Um, and seemed in a good place in the second quarter until Kyle Lowry drove to the basket, tried to draw a foul, made the shot anyway, yelled out and won, and received a tech. <laughs> that was a turning point, right? Like, he had also, you could hear, because you can hear everything they say now, just because nobody's there, but like he had been screaming and one I'd say for like at least the first, like the two attempts prior to that. So I don't know. I honestly didn't know that refs could like call a tech because they were annoyed, but I feel like that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like getting annoyed at Lowry, but there's always a turning point in games like this. I feel like games that we look back on and are like either someone has a crazy breakout performance or they're just like super fun and like very close and like energetic. There's always one of these like turning point moments. I mean, usually it also involves Kyle Lowry. Of course. I mean, this was looking the the way those final 142 seconds played out uh, after the technical foul per Blake Murphy, Kyle Lowry scored eight points. It was turning into one of those crazy Kyle performances. And this is what we often talk about, right? Him being the engine of the team, uh, heart and soul, just 
sort of flipping the script on what was the narrative of the first half where Philly looked um, pretty much in control um, with a Raptors team that was kind of out of sorts. Um, Speaking of the engine of the team, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer? Choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things like the mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Another incredibly smooth transition, I have to say. (laughs) I'm just trying to wrap them up. I'm just trying to make Sean as nervous as possible while he's on vacation uh, in Nova Scotia. (laughs) The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, as kinda you like, should. <laughs> kind of like, you know, maybe the bench made the starters a little nervous. No, there was none of that. The starters were having all of it. They were absolutely loving everything that the bench did from Chris Boucher to Paul Watson to Rondé Hollis-Jefferson to Stanley Johnson to Dewan Hernandez to Malcolm Miller to Matt Thomas, maybe not so much Terrence Davis, but it was incredible watching them in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it was just like, I mean, it you have to, it also like means so much more to those guys, like to Stanley Johnson, Dewan Hernandez, Paul Watson, like guys that, and Malcolm Miller, like guys that, you know, they don't see a lot of minutes, but like, you know, like you forget, like they're, they're a part of this ecosystem. Like they're a part of the chemistry of this team. You just don't actually usually get to see it on the floor. So when you see like how meaningful it is for the rest of the team to like, to see them doing well and just like thriving and like making shots and like getting, I don't know, just like getting steals, getting clutch rebounds, like getting assists like that. I, I don't know. I feel like you can really see like it's a it's a only time, if, which is I think I'm glad that so many non Raptors fans were watching this game because it's the it's the one time you can kind of see the entire chemistry of the team unfold on the floor. It was so beautiful. (laughs) Sorry. No, it's okay. (laughs) Say it again. Say it again. It was so beautiful. (laughs) It really was. And I think this plays into sort of uh, the narrative, just the way the Raptors operate. And it started before the game when it was announced that Adrian Griffin would be coaching this game instead of Nick Nurse. And Nurse just steps aside and says, hey, you know, 
we're trying to do more than just win basketball games here. We're truly trying to invest in everyone in this organization. You look at the way people have been promoted internally uh, and moving on to bigger and better things. That happens at every level of this franchise. And so I think for Adrian Griffin to coach a great game and lead them to a win for the bench to have that winning moment at the end and to have Kyle and Fred and Pascal and Serge just going nuts. Mark one day I think will will get off his chair. Mark has like a fair excuse because I I hope he's not concussed. Like Mark <laughs> yeah. was having a phenomenal game. He actually was playing the way we were talking about like in yesterday's episode, just like taking those like really deep threes mm-hmm. but making them. He looked yeah. really good, and then he had this weird fumbly fall where he kind of he like was fighting for the rebound. He wasn't giving it up. Uh, like he got in the middle of a couple. I don't know who it was, but he got in the middle of a couple guys, and then he like kind of did this crashing fall uh, out at the baseline, and then the he fell on the basketball, which he was of course still holding because he wouldn't let it go. But it bounced on the floor, then bounced up and like smacked him in the chin. It he hit it really hard. <laughs> And I yeah. only stopped being worried when everybody came over and Serge came over too and Serge was laughing at him. So I was like, all right, he's got to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> but again, this is what we talked about, right? This is the type of team that they are mm-hmm. where they can laugh at each other and poke fun at each other and, you know, everything's all good. Everything's fine and dandy. And um, yeah, let's let's go over maybe the, those final couple of minutes where, you know, Matt Thomas, you know, struggled all game, but made a big shot when they needed it. Stanley Johnson coming through with the triple single, five points, four rebounds, four assists. Uh, showed a little something, showed a little something. Uh, Chris Boucher, I mean, he stole the show. Again, yeah, you know, yeah. Matt Thomas got a lot of praise for the last game, but I think Chris Boucher is showing that, you know, and, and I tweeted this uh, earlier during the game. I really feel like we hear all this talk about Nick Nurse wanting to go to a big lineup and start, or not start, but at least in stretches, play Marcus All and Serge Ibaka together, and then you know Pascal at, at the point, and all those things. I think a little part of that is the fact that he now has confidence that okay, Chris Boucher can be the first big off the bench mm-hmm. in certain situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I think there's something that goes through this team too. It's like, you saw it with Boucher uh, and then you saw it later with like the deep bench guys, it's this kind of resilience. So it's like, you know, they may, they've many of them had like rough games, rough runs and like nurse calls them out for sure. Like he's obviously done that before, but there's still some, there's like a huge measure of trust and I think resiliency around them that like they're going to figure it out, you know? And I think that's the kind of thing that builds the sort of confidence that we saw tonight with Boucher, like taking those shots, like 19 points. Like, I don't know the last time he had like such, he's usually like a really good, he's like a really good helper, right? Like he's like in there on the glass. Um, Mm -hmm. He can make, like he obviously can make really, really deep shots as he did, but um, he usually is kind of like, the muscle and sort of like the force in there with the bench, but like, you know, for him to just like completely steal the show tonight. And, yeah. and when he does it, the best thing is when he does it, 
he's just like unaffected, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's just kind of like blinks and like, you know, runs back and he's just like, whatever, like, this is fine. Like this is, I'm just playing, you know, I'm just doing my job basically. Um, but yeah, I like to see I him. I think we've learned that the only thing that affects Chris Boucher is Willu tweets. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Like maybe to his benefit in this case. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've seen some muscle from him the last couple of games. So uh, <laughs> Will Lou has had some nice things to say about him since. Um, but, you know, even with the four blocks, I think the thing that's so fun about Chris Boucher is every big game that he has uh it's literally a highlight reel Mm -hmm. like it's a deep three it's an awesome dunk it's a crazy block that gets jack armstrong out of his seat and just making the most incredible sounds (laughs) (laughs) and like jack was already on something else tonight he was on a bit of a tear so like to take him away (laughs) from his like uh, long, long explanations of like why he doesn't like iced coffee, what his favorite bar is in New York, everything else he was talking about. You know, you had Chris Boucher in there to like shake him up and get him back paying attention to the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, any other major takeaways that you had from this one? Yeah. I mean, I think like, I mean, I was happy. It's almost like everything will yeah most mostly everything i had been kind of worried about that we talked about before like terrence davis i'm not thrilled that he's like fouling out um but you know he was a bit more involved i'd say in this game um Mm -hmm. and i like you know that's like pretty heartening to see same with ronde uh someone else who has been like seems like a bit has been a bit sticky if not sluggish uh really came back around this game um the other one was Pascal, but like, you know, you look at a stat line and you're like, oh yeah, like, you know, there were times when we'd see a stat line like this from <laughs> like nine rebounds, four assists, 15 points. Like we we're like, oh, it's like not a great performance, but there were years when we would be like, this is an amazing performance from Siakam, you know? So like we, like times just change and you kind of just adjust and like grow to your own expectations. But I mean, obviously the biggest takeaway from this is like, I don't know. Like they're not even the bench. They're like, <laughs> there's a yeah. deep bench and we need to come yeah. up with like, we need to come up with like a very fair and good name for them. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, the bench is nine Oh five. Something. I don't know. We'll, we'll work on. <laughs> yeah. We're we'll going to workshop on. this. We're going to workshop this, but <laughs> I mean, but yeah, back, like Stanley Johnson need, like needed, he needed this game. Oh, absolutely. He needed it. And I needed it. I don't know it what it him. says that, yeah. you know, it needed Nick Nurse to be very far away from the bench <laughs> for him to have this kind of game. <laughs> I don't think that was it. Do you? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Um, but yeah, hope, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Hopefully there's, you know, this is a bit of a confidence boost and, uh, gets his spirits lifted up a little bit and he feels a bit more comfortable on the court. Cause that's the one thing I feel like on the court, you know, in the opportunities that he has had the limited opportunities, it seems like he's been so anxious to prove himself mm-hmm. that he does belong as opposed to just, you know, sort of biding his time and just, uh, getting a feel for the game and just working his way into things. And 
I think in this scenario where he, I guess, just knew that he was going to be in the game no matter what, I think it just, I, I think he was able to play up to it. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, back to Pascal for a second. I thought, you know, for the most part, he was, I thought he was having a pretty good game. He just wasn't finishing at the rim. I think, you know, he, there, was, there was one finish in particular where he had some choice words for himself. Yeah, that um, was a bummer. That was yeah. sad. That was sad. <laughs> yeah. So I think from that standpoint, I'm not concerned because I feel like mm-hmm. those shots will fall. Yeah. But as long as he's doing the right things, I feel encouraged. I feel very encouraged that for the second straight game, Norman Powell looked like, um, you know, Storm and Norman. And uh, <laughs> it was just. You know that's that's the norm that the Raptors need in the playoffs. So if he if he's back to that level that we saw throughout the regular season, I think that's very encouraging. Um, and I think there is a little something to Rondé um, as you know pl- playing a bit of point mm-hmm. and sort of increasing his value in that way because um, I think he might be able to develop that playmaking to the point where that that's at least a way you find some use for him because he faces some other challenges on the offensive end. And then defensively, you know, maybe was a little too reckless going for steals and cheating off of uh, Korkmaz a little too much. But I think this is an area in which Rondé can develop, and I think there's some positive signs. A triple single for him as well, 8, 6, and 4, solid night. Um, So, yeah, what are your thoughts on any of those? I think, like, you know what was interesting to watch was, like, what the Sixers were kind of throwing at the bench and the deep bench is what I'm going to call them just for this show, this yeah. episode. But, um, you know, like guys like Neto and Korkmaz, like these are guys that remind me of like <laughs> early days Raptor killer, like Doug McDermott style players that like seem to always explode uh, and be extremely effective for whatever reason against the Raptors. Yeah. Um, but watching this game, you know, and early on they were, and I think, you know, those were games in the past where it would really fluster the Raptors. Like they would get super out of sorts. They wouldn't really know how to respond to it. They wouldn't really have the patience to like wait it out. But what you see now in a game like this, even from guys that are not like, you know, low usage guys, like this, there's this, like, again, I guess it comes back to that sense of resilience and like an overall sense of patience and waiting and just being like, you know what, like, this isn't going to throw us like they were trailing pretty much to like midway through the third, you know, like when they like pulled out, well, they were leading by like one point at the very beginning, but then, you know, had been trailing ever since. And like, you know, that used to be a lot more stressful. And now there's just this kind of sense, like they're like, especially with a team like the Sixers and a game like that, that, you know, we're all like, Oh, it doesn't mean anything like Embiid played not very long and then like was out most of the game it still means something like they're still sizing each other up to a degree uh and other teams are watching and like sizing them both up and seeing what happens so i think like it is a meaningful game uh and the fact that they could just kind of wait and then really step on the gas when they needed to 
Um, I think another thing that really stuck out to me was like the ball movement. Aside from like, there were some pretty weird passes that Stanley Johnson was trying on, <laughs> like, to, <laughs> like really just like hurtling them to Boucher who like, who could not like get a handle on them. But aside from that, there was just like very fluid, really beautiful ball movement. I think like throughout most of the game. And like, that's the kind of thing when that starts to choke off, that's when you realize the Raptors are getting flustered and are getting stressed out. And you know, that's like, it's just watching this team. I guess I'm just so grateful because it is just so it's like night and day, right. From like Raptors circa um, a season and a half ago, you know, they're just like, they're just, they just know there's just this sense of like confidence and they know themselves and they know what they're going to be able to pull off. Even in a, even in like a close win like this, where, yeah, you've got like your secondary guys in and you still trust that they're going to be able to do it for you. Yeah. I think, you know, when I think about it and I've said it before, uh, there's just the, the weight of expectations before was that it was always going to end up being the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. And so I think that permeated to the fan base as well. Um, And I think that has completely flipped to where you expect now, because you've won a championship that I, I think on some level, there's an internal belief that with with the championship maybe it doesn't validate you but you believe that you're good enough to be the best at this level Mm -hmm. and i think now no matter how trying the circumstance they believe that they can come out of it and i think you know maybe a good note to finish on is just looking at philadelphia big picture with the playoffs Uh, in the Eastern conference, pretty much set. Now we'll see Philadelphia take on Boston. And so one of those teams is going out in the first round. Do you think there's anything that you can take away from this game into a potential Raptors Sixers series? Because obviously again, OG Ananobi and Serge Ibaka did not play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, cause obviously to me, the Raptors are more, the different, like on paper, they're the more different team than they were last season when they faced the Sixers in the playoffs. But watching them, the Sixers seem very different to me. Uh, And like, not necessarily in a positive way. They've still got like some real impactful players and players that are going to like give you an incredibly hard time. Like Al Horford is just like setting everybody up out there, right? Like he... He's so good at that. I guess like Embiid, when he wants to be explosive, he can be. Um, I really like Shake Milton. You know, I really like Matisse Tybal. Like, I think is it a problem that Joel Embiid does not like Shake? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it could be for the Sixers. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got like Tobias Harris and like all these other secondary players, like you know, who they're all very good. But watching them, especially in a game like tonight. I'm kind of like, I feel like they have regressed more than the Raptors have. I don't think the Raptors have regressed at all. I want to just make that clear, but I think the Raptors have changed, but where the Sixers have changed, they've kind of gone backwards in terms of like what they were capable of before. And I don't actually know why, because on paper, not much has changed. Like you last Jimmy Butler, but you didn't really have a place for Jimmy Butler on last mm-hmm. on last season's team you know like he was kind of not utilized correctly i thought um 
Yeah, I don't know. So like them, them and the Celtics will be a completely different matchup yeah. than them and the Raptors. Um, I think with the Raptors and the Sixers, it's always just about who can outlast the other, really. And like who can keep their energy levels up. And, you know, we know the Raptors can have a tough time with that too. But, you know, I feel a lot more confident about it if you've got essentially three strings of players all working, if not perfectly, then like decently, right? You know, not everybody has to be perfect, but everybody's got to be good and contributing. Yeah, no doubt. I think we both agree that the Celtics would definitely present the tougher matchup, especially Mm -hmm. with Ben Simmons out. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think... Yeah, sorry, I forgot about Ben Simmons. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Ben. (laughs) No, no, no. Uh, (laughs) I think going back to last year's team i think especially you know the the one thing the raptors exemplify is fit the way all the pieces fit and chemistry Mm -hmm. and when you look at philly you know i think what jj reddick brought with his shooting and his professionalism having been in the league so long and been on winning teams for so long and then jimmy butler again with his like in jimmy butler they lost their best leader Mm -hmm. and um, I think he was someone that they could really rely on when, uh, you know, things got tight late that he would sort of, uh, shepherd them through. And I think that's a big loss. And so while Ro- uh, Josh Richardson and Al Horford are certainly talented and you on paper would not feel that as much, I think in terms of how it translates onto the court, uh, I just don't, I, I do think it was uh, a notable downgrade. And I think we've seen that over the course of the season. I don't think they're magically going to change who they are. Um, I know a lot of people still seem to, you know, have hope because of the expectations they pinned on them before the season. Because mm-hmm. let's face it, before the season, everyone had uh, Milwaukee, Boston, Philadelphia maybe even Indiana ahead of the Raptors. Mm-hmm. And some people had a whole eight teams in the Eastern Conference <laughs> ahead of the Raptors. <laughs> and how incredibly that has changed the Raptors uh, tonight. It took two Paul Watson free throws at the end that clinched oh the God. Raptors' highest win percentage <laughs> in franchise history. Oh, I was so happy for Paul. Two nineteen <laughs> on the season now. I mean... Oh my yeah, God. this was definitely one of the best feel-good moments of this season. This was a lot of fun uh, with you, Katie. I'm <laughs> glad you could join me for this recap of the Raptors' win over the Sixers. Is there anything you would like to plug? Um, No. I mean, Stanley Johnson and Paul Watson Jr. I, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I, I believed in those guys, and I feel really happy for them. Um, And I think that... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I just want to plug the I want to plug the highlights for this game, which I feel like everybody should go watch again. <laughs> no question. Well, that's going to do it for this episode uh 763 in the books. Remember you can su- subscribe, rate and review the Locked On Raptors podcast. Hope you enjoyed this one. We'll catch you tomorrow with the next episode.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.